Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of Crime Breakers. Um, I personally don't really like recording long intros. I don't like listening to long intros, so we'll just jump right into it. The icebreaker to kickstart our first episode is going to be what chance do you have of being a victim of a crime in your neighborhood? Alright, we'll get started. First case we're going to talk about today takes us to Delphi, Indiana. Delphi is a smaller city located in Carroll County and has a population roughly around 2,979 people. According to NeighborhoodScout.com, Delphi is considered moderately safer than most small cities in the U.S. due to the just below average crime rate, and your chances of becoming a victim of violent crime in Delphi are 1 in 740. For some perspective on this statistic, um, I grew up right outside of the city of Chicago, which has one of the highest crime rates in America. In Chicago, you have a 1 in 107 chance of becoming a victim of violent crime. Just throwing this out there because the more you know. All right, so back to our case. The day is Monday, February 13th, 2017, when 8th graders Abigail Joyce Williams, or Abby, and Liberty Rose Lynn German, Libby, had a day off of school. Just before Valentine's Day, the town of Delphi had begun to warm up after typical Midwestern winter, which, if you don't know, they are brutal. 13-year-old Abby and 14-year-old Libby decided to spend their day off enjoying the nice weather. The girls loved hiking, photography, and adventuring. They both also loved music, both girls playing the alto saxophone in their middle school band, and were signed up to play softball. Libby and Abby both had dreams to do something with solving crimes. Libby loved finding cures and solving crimes, while Abby loved forensics and police work. The two girls were peas in a pod, two best friends. So Libby's older sister, Kelsey German, drove the girls to Man and Hyde Bridge Trail. This trail has been deemed an easy route and takes an average of 29 minutes to complete. According to alltrails.com, it is unlikely you'll encounter many other people while exploring. This trail also consists of the Man and High Bridge, an incredible bridge built all the way back in 1891 to carry trains above Deer Creek, and is believed to be Indiana's second tallest bridge. Now abandoned, the trail and bridge had become a popular spot for those who live in the area. Kelsey recalls driving the girls while listening to 21 pilots with the windows down. As they arrived at their destination around 1.35 p.m., Libby and Abby bid Kelsey farewell. Libby told her sister that she loves her, and the girls were expected to enjoy their time outdoors until Libby's father was due to pick them up just a few hours later. Around 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a picture on her Snapchat of Abby walking on the bridge. She stands in the middle, hands in her pockets, and at first glance, there's nothing off-putting about this photo. The time for the girls to be picked up approached came and then went, but the girls didn't show. The sinking realization that no one had heard from them in hours and no one had seen them since they were dropped off occurred, and they were quickly reported missing at 5.30 p.m. that same day. Authorities were quick to search the area along with family and volunteers, but as the night went on, searchers didn't find anything that gave clue as to where Abby and Libby could be. They also attempted to ping the girls' phones for location purposes, but that didn't work, meaning the phones had either died or were turned off. That night, the Carroll County Sheriff announced there was no reason to believe the girls were in danger other than exposure to the elements, and they resumed the search the following day. The morning of February 14, 2017, the search had continued. It was not until around noon that a volunteer stumbled across everyone's worst nightmare. Two bodies found half a mile away from the bridge. 
It was later revealed that there was significant blood loss from the victims at the scene, and it appeared that their bodies had been moved and staged. Because of the amount of blood found, authorities believe the perpetrator would, ha would have gotten blood on their hands and their clothing. There were no signs of a struggle or a fight at the scene, and authorities had reason to believe that something was taken from the girls, a lot of people believing that it could have been a clothing item of some sort. Unknown fibers and hairs were recovered, but again, this information did not come out until later in the investigation. Identities were not confirmed yet, and no details were released to the public at that time, but police said they had a reason to suspect foul play, which we now know was due to the state the bodies were found in. That night, in the small city of Delphi, over 700 people showed their support for the girls and their families at a prayer vigil at the Delphi United Methodist Church. The day after the bodies had been found, and two days after the girls were reported missing, on February 15, 2017, the police confirmed the bodies as 13-year-old Abby Williams and 14-year-old Libby German. They also declared they were officially investigating the case as a double homicide. This news was just earth-shattering to the small town of Delphi. How could an afternoon walk turn into such a gruesome fate? Who could be responsible for such an awful thing? The small city of Delphi had just been turned upside down, and the families and friends of Abby and Libby had been changed forever. In addition to confirming their identities and sharing with the public they are investigating the incident as a double homicide, the police also released a grainy photo of an unidentified man walking on the bridge the same day the girls disappeared, hoping for someone to come forward with any information. Not only did the police release this photo, hoping that this man or anyone else knew something, but they named him as the main suspect in the double homicide. It wasn't until a couple of days later, on February 22, 2017, during a news conference, the police revealed that Libby German recorded a video of a man walking towards the girls on the bridge that day. It was just a snapshot of the video taken from Libby's phone just before they were reported missing. This was not the only thing that they retrieved from Libby's phone. They also released a brief audio snippet of a man saying, down the hill, in hopes someone would recognize the voice. The original audio is around 43 seconds long, but the remaining parts of it were never released to the public. Everyone was just stunned at what they discovered. Libby German had taken video and audio evidence of a man just before her and Libby were killed. Indiana State Police Sergeant Tony Slocum said it best, This young lady is a hero, there is no doubt. To have enough presence of mind to activate that video system on her cell phone to record what we believe is criminal behavior that's about to occur. Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter also said, There is a person out there who knows who did it. Not a hunch. They know who that person is. They know that voice and they know those clothes. They know that posture. They know that stance and they know who murdered these two little girls in that quiet place. And that is absolutely heartbreaking. Who had done this and how did 14-year-old Libby German know to record this man? Did she know what was about to happen? Did she or Abby suspect this man was going to harm them? Libby German's quick thinking to document what was happening gave the police something to go off of. The information was released to the public and over 10,000 tips came in during just that first week. The case received national coverage and the FBI was also invited in to help investigate. Along with the evidence left behind and tips pouring in from the public, the police had a lot of work to do. Indiana State Police First Sergeant Jerry Holman said, I need to be here for Abby and Libby. I am going to find who did this and we are going to hold them responsible. So, they got to work. While the bodies of Abby and Libby were found just half a mile away from the bridge, they were actually found on someone's property. 
and 1,400 feet away from their residence. This someone is Ron Logan, a farmer who lived in Delphi and owned the land that Abby and Libby were found on. Logan claimed to have an alibi the day the girls went missing on February 13th. He said that he was in Lafayette, Aquarium World, getting fish for his aquarium. He got home around 5 p.m. when he was asked by a neighbor if they could search his property for the missing girls, which they did. And while his property was searched that night, the bodies weren't found until the morning after, or the afternoon after. He claimed he fooled with his fish during the search on Monday night, and the girls' bodies weren't discovered until Tuesday around noon. He said, quote, You just cannot believe this terrible thing that happened to the community and the families actually happened here on my property in my backyard, end quote. The public was quick to place blame on Logan, so much so that his wife took to Facebook claiming that Ron was terrified of heights and would not have gone up on the bridge in the first place. She claimed that there was time-stamped video footage of Ron at the time of the murders and also he was 77 at the time. He did not fit the age range the police predicted for the man caught on video. She also stated that Ron was upset at the murder, so much so he nearly cried over how awful it was. She continued to say, shame on you, and that the police were using him as a diversion because they had nothing else. Ron Logan was not their guy. So police continued investigating, tips pouring in. They had over 30,000 tips in total, investigating 99.9% of them. The investigators had a motto they used. Today's the day. Each day would be a day they moved closer to finding who did this to the girls, and each day they followed dozens of leads to find justice for the families. Days turned to months, and on July 17, 2017, the Indiana State Police finally released a sketch of the suspect with a description of a white male between 5'6 and 5'10, weighing 180 to 200 pounds, with reddish-brown hair and an unknown eye color. With releasing information comes more tips, and while people are trying to help, the police have to plea with the public to stop amateur sleuthing. People had been posting photos of men who look like suspects on social media sites and naming them. They claim this was doing nothing to help further the investigation, and wrongfully accusing someone and broadcasting it on social media could put you into legal jeopardy. Social media played a big role in this case, which is also why so many details have not been released to the public. There are some more persons of interest investigated, but most of these go nowhere. Dead end after dead end, no arrests were made, and no one was taking responsibility for the murders. Um, I'll go into a little bit of detail about the people who were investigated and who um, might have been believed to be connected, but no one, but no one was actually charged with the murders. A Paul Etter was being investigated after receiving a tip about him, but he died by suicide during a five-hour standoff with police in 2019 due to an unrelated case. A Daniel J. Nations was investigated, who was a registered sex offender in Indiana at the time, and he was arrested in Colorado in September of 2017 and was charged with threatening strangers on a monument trail with a hatchet. Despite the similarities, Indiana investigators did not want information being released. He was sentenced to three years in 2018 for the case in Colorado, but in early February of 2018, authorities said Nations was no longer being investigated as a person of interest in the double homicide of Abby and Libby. A former pastor, Thomas Bruce, sexually assaulted two other women and shot another in November of 2018. Bruce matched the description released for the suspect in the Delphi double homicide. The Indiana police looked into this, but nothing really came from it. He was charged with around 17 felony counts relating to the case he was arrested for. 
A Charles Eldridge was arrested in January of 2019 in Union City, Indiana, on charges of child molestation and child solicitation, and the police in this county alerted the FBI of the possible connection, but he was not charged with a double homicide or known to be connected to it. Again, this investigation is ongoing, so there are a lot of details not released to the public. It wasn't until December 6, 2021, nearly four years after the double homicide took place, that Sergeant Jeremy Pierce with Indiana State Police asked if anyone had social media contact with an Instagram user of Anthony underscore shots between the time frame of 2016 to 2017. They asked anyone who had contact with this account to come forward by using the Abby and Libby tip line. Just days later, they released an additional statement related to this Instagram profile. The account belonged to a 27-year-old Keegan Anthony Klein of Peru, Indiana, just 40 minutes away from Delphi. But what does this have to do with Libby and Abby? At the time of this information being released, Klein was being held in Miami County Jail for 30 alleged crimes, including child exploitation, possession of child pornography, child solicitation for sexual intercourse, and obstruction of justice. He did this through the Anthony Undercourse shots on Snapchat um, and Instagram, where he catfished underage victims, aka children, by posing as someone else using photos of random men off the internet who look absolutely nothing like him. Klein is a heavy set older dude posing as a younger man to take advantage of children, which is just absolutely disgusting. Investigators said that Libby was speaking to this Anthony underscore shots account the night before she and Abby went to the Delphi Trail. Klein was trying to groom Libby as he did with countless other girls. They had plans to meet up on that same bridge the girls went missing from either the day she died or the day after. I've seen conflicting sources about this, but they were supposed to meet up at the same bridge and the same trail they went missing from around the time frame. Klein claimed that yes, they were supposed to meet, but no, she never showed up. He claimed his father had access to the account and claimed his father may be involved in the case as well. The investigation with Klein is currently ongoing, but he has not been charged with anything related to Libby and Abby or he hasn't been named officially as a suspect yet. But now we also know why... Libby could have been recording the man walking towards them. Um, this is off the record, just what I think, but if she was supposed to be meeting a man on the bridge around the time frame they went missing and they saw a man walking towards them that looked nothing like who she thought she was meeting with, that could be why she started recording him. But again, we don't know. There's a lot that hasn't been released to the public. That's just my theory. So the police kept searching. They kept investigating. Still, no one had been arrested or charged with the murder of Abby and Libby. It was not until May of 2022 that a search warrant issued back in March of 2017 was obtained by the Murder Sheet podcast and revealed to the public. The search warrant was for Ron Logan, the man who owned the property the girls were moved to and found on. An FBI agent wrote in the warrant that they had probable cause to search the property. The warrant also stated that Logan had the same build as the man in the video and his voice was, quote, not inconsistent, end quote, with the audio released. The warrant noted that Logan owned handguns and knives. It was also said that women were interviewed about Logan and they claimed he had been violent in the past. They told authorities they believed that Logan was a man in the video taken from Libby's phone. The most damning piece of information coming from this warrant was that Logan had lied about his alibi, which, okay, lying does not automatically make someone guilty or should they even be suspected for the crime, but Logan actually contacted a family member on the morning of February 14th 
just before the girl's bodies had been found, and he asked the family member that if contacted by the police to tell them that they had gone to the aquarium on February 13th and to say that they got back to Logan's house around 5 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. Investigators found a receipt from the store, timestamped 5.21 p.m., meaning he probably did not make it home within the time frame he told his family member to tell authorities. He had lied to and deceived law enforcement about his whereabouts during the time frame when Abby and Libby were abducted and murdered. Unfortunately, Logan passed away back in 2020, two years before this evidence was released to the public. I've seen multiple sources say that law enforcement knew who had done it. They had their guy, but they were just trying to find more evidence to be able to prove it. Um, the case of Libby and Abby is still currently ongoing. Abby's grandparents kept Abby's belongings the way they were since she disappeared. She said, quote, We just can't erase her from our lives. We just don't want to. We treasure her coat hanging on the coat hook and her shoes on the shoe rack and her bedroom just the way she left it. She may have walked out the door, but she is here with us, end quote. Libby had loved using sticky notes to leave messages for everyone, family, teachers, just to show her appreciation. After her murder, her class actually made a jar of sticky notes for Libby's grandparents filled with messages from her class. When Libby's grandfather came forth on the subject, he told News 6 report that, quote, they didn't leave each other's sides. I don't know what happened out there that day, whether there was a chance or an opportunity for one to break off or split or make a break for it or whatever, but you know, I look at it as two young soldiers who covered each other's backs, two best friends, and I wouldn't leave my best friend's side. Neither did they. If you or anyone you know may have any information about the ongoing case of Libby and Abby, the FBI asks that you contact their tip hotline either by phone number or email, which I'll link below. Um, thank you for listening. This was my first case I covered, so if there's any information you would like to add or comment on, feel free. Please don't be too hard on me. I've never done this before. Um, my case sources include fox59.com, heavy.com, yourtango.com, neighborhoodscout.com, thesun.com, and then medium.com.